Syndicated source material. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Syndicated Source Material. This right here that we're getting ready to get into was the 23rd episode of Source Material on the Rattlich in Broadcasting Network. So we're getting into Why the Last Man, which was a Vertigo title that came out in 2002 by Brian K. Vaughn. This podcast is only going to cover the first 10 issues of that story arc, but uh, it was a fantastic bit of storytelling by Brian K. Vaughn. Guests on this episode are Ronnie Adams and returning, although it may be the first time you've heard him on the syndicated portion of this podcast, is Josh Calandros. Josh joined me for a discussion episode, which, like I said before, will at some point air together with the rest of the discussion episodes. Uh, But um, yeah, Josh Calandros makes a return to the podcast, and he brings along the first female guest host of the podcast, and that is his wife, Laura Calandros. So the original release date of this podcast was between March uh, and April, I think, most likely near the end of March, I'd assume, of 2015. I took out a portion of the podcast where I was talking uh, to the guests about how it was snowing like you wouldn't believe, uh, and it was kind of an oddity because of the time of year that we were in, but a lot of that is just because I know Josh Calandros hates snow, and he hates cold weather. (laughs) There were a lot of laughs on here. Uh, I had to cut some of it just because I wanted to try and keep the episode as tight as possible. The original runtime of the episode was one hour and 58 minutes. I think I got it down to a little bit more than an hour now. So there are a few things I want to mention here that come up kind of in the podcast. We mention talking about Saga. Uh, and that being one of the books that we'd like to cover later on in the future. And that actually happened. We covered, I think, the first story arc or the first trade with, I think it was me, Ronnie Adams, and Mark Radulich who did that about three or four years later. It was either 2018 or 2019 where we sat down and talked about Brian K. Vaughn's saga. So uh, that did happen. <laughs> I think at the time when I recorded this, I was like, oh yeah, that'll be something we do within the next month or two. Now, took us three or four years to get to it. This was one of the shows that was suggested on a prior podcast. Josh was on a show where we discussed comics that needed a TV adaptation or movie adaptation or both. But Why the Last Man was brought up on that podcast. Uh, And I just looked. It was just announced on the 28th of October. Uproxx reported that it finally started filming. So the adaptation of Why the Last Man Coming to the Small Screen just began filming as of a few days ago from this recording. Now, this was one of those podcasts where I would have loved to have done a post-edit entry of a synopsis of the issues. I didn't get that comfortable and knowledgeable when it came to trying to manage a podcast until later on down the line, where having the opportunity to put those post-edit synopsis in there leaves more room for discussion with the guests. Plus, the podcast itself, when you're recording it, doesn't take as long. And I find that when I write a synopsis for a book, clearly I can structure it better. I had 10 issues to cover, and I, even though I, I'm certain that I wrote out notes to try and follow during the podcast, I would have loved to have had the wherewithal and the knowledge at that point in time to say, okay, story-wise, I'll put that in there later. Right now, let's just stick to the talking points. But uh, but with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into why The Last Man issues 1 through 10. Uh, welcome, friends, to another episode of Source Material. Tonight, 
we're going to be talking Why the Last Man. This is a book that I remember hearing about a while back. I'd never had given it a chance to actually sit down and read it. And I'm we're a little I'm a little ways through it, and that's why we're only going to cover tonight. We're only going to cover the first ten issues. Uh, but let me go ahead and bring on my guests here from the Screaming Boy Productions podcast. We have Ronnie Adams. Ronnie, how are you doing this evening? Doing very well, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. Next guest, you've heard him on here before also. That's Josh Calandros. How you doing, sir? Doing well. How are you? Doing well, doing well. And you brought a guest with you, someone... Uh, first off, this is a first for source material right here. This is we're, We are breaking the gender barrier. You brought on someone <laughs> special. I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce uh, your our special guest there, Josh. Yeah, this is my wife, Laura. Hey, everybody. Well, hello, hello, hello. I'm glad you. I'm I'm glad we got you on here because, like I said, this is the first time we've actually are able to get a female perspective on some books. And what a book to talk about in regards mm. to the female perspective. Uh, just a little background here in regards to why the last man came out. I think in 2002. This was Brian K. Vaughn. Are any of you guys like big Brian K. Vaughn fans? Yeah, I I've, uh, I think we I can't remember if I mentioned it on a past podcast. It's actually a book that um, Laura had me read called Pride of Baghdad. I think I can't remember if we were talking about it on the the podcast before or if we were talking about it um, off offline. But I mean, obviously, Saga. Uh, I've heard good things about Ex Machina, but I've never gotten a chance to read it. He apparently started writing in like 96, had a kind of a one shot with uh, Marvel and did a few things here and there. But I think Why the Last Man was actually its first uh, ongoing large type thing that he was a part of. Pride of Baghdad. What, uh, Laura, can you give me an idea what that's about? Um, Pride of Baghdad is um, about this pack of lions that escape from a zoo in Baghdad after Baghdad's been bombed. And it's kind of like uh, their aeration of building um, like a political hierarchy and basically a new way of life. It's a really interesting way of looking at that story. That came out in 96. That was a book. Um, you know what? Pride came out in 2006. I'd mentioned like he oh, did a, a one. Yeah, he did one book for Marvel. He did like a series of single issues here and there for Marvel and DC starting in 96. But I want to say Wild wow was probably his wow, maybe his first big deal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll tell you right now. One of the things that caught my eye on the old wiki was uh, Lost, which I'm a huge fan of the show Lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, now, come on. Yeah. Are you guys, you, you did? I did, I did. I loved Lost until about halfway through the second season, and then I couldn't take it anymore. That's what everybody says. They're like, oh, I only liked it up to so-and-so. I think it was the fourth season, the season finale, was one of the best season finales I've ever seen in TV history. And granted, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, so that's pretty limited. But I'll tell you, I can remember being on pins and needles for the whole time. And this was something I think, you know, I was steadily DVRing. Now, I don't know if he had a hand in that. He dropped out, uh, I imagine, at some point. No, I'm sorry. He was in there for, during season three through five. He was producer. So he came in uh, season three all the way up to the end, I think, Lost only went up to five seasons, but anyway, Ronnie, you a fan of Lost? So I, I liked it. Uh, I loved Lost all the way through it. It got, it did have its moments where it was like, it, it was kind of really, really far fetched, even more so than um, than the actual show should have been. But mm-hmm. uh, I followed it every every episode and own every season now. Why the Last Man? I want to give some props to the art here. A lady by the name of Pia 
Puerta. Now, I, I rolled my R there. Um, she's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Um, Close. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 only a few thousand miles. Yes, I said it's nice that you gave her the respect of pronouncing her name in her native tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this is her only. From what I understand, this is her big. This is her big. Uh, this is her big hit. Which Brian K. Vaughn, we talked about talked about Saga, Saga, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Fiona Staples, I believe, is the the artist on that book, uh, and I I just find it interesting that when he writes, he's you don't see too many female artists that are picking up books. And do you know, Ronnie? I know you were a huge fan of Runaways, right? Yes. Any idea if the artist on that was a female also? I do not think so. Okay. Right. I was just I didn't know if if he is if he was someone that preferred always having a female artist. Um, that would be uh, it, that's something that I've noticed in these two books, at least. Man, one of these days, I know we're all going to talk about Saga. That, that's for that is for sure. Uh, mm. That's that's definitely coming up at some point. Um, but all right, let's go ahead and what we're going to do here. I'm going to do my best. Like I said before, I'm just going to kind of we got ten issues to cover. We're definitely not going to do it old school style where we go issue by issue. I'm going to try and group the issues together. So Josh, you got your hands on the book, okay? Now. Uh, Immediately, are you looking at this going, okay, this is awesome, or what were you thinking? Yeah, no, I was sold from the very beginning. I mean, I think the first trades for a story, they're they're pretty typical. Yeah, I mean, there's there's character development, there's there's plot foundation, et cetera. But I mean, the the apex of this first trade for Y is obviously the plague, the the big thing that that wipes out all all the males on the planet, and that that in itself that is actually kind of two two things that the first trade kind of hints at what could have caused it. So there's actually even a hint of mystery of, of, in terms of what actually caused it all, which is, in addition to the character development, it's just a really great uh, launch point, which really, for the most of the series, at least that I've read, still actually kind of lingers throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That was actually a really long-winded way of saying that he really fell in love with the monkey. Good old Amphrey. Now, Ronnie, how did you find why the last man? Uh, it was sometime last year, uh, maybe a little bit before that. That Josh told me about it and told me about uh, about loving it. He and Laura just the, loving the the whole series or loving what they read of it, and so I got into it. And actually, uh, sped read most of the sixty issues that are in the series. And uh, I've read it through twice now, and uh, just it got better the second time around too. Some there's some definite binging going on. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what happened with me. As soon as I got a hold of it, you know, I was like, okay, next issue, next issue, next issue. There's something I read or I heard. I think recently I had heard that Brian K. Vaughn is is what they call the master of the last page. The guy he can he can make you look at that last page and go, okay, next issue right now. I need it right now. Um, and reading this, you can see him develop that as he continues to go along. That's that's the telltale you know sign of a great comic book writer. Uh, it's somebody that want that makes you want to buy or re- read that next issue. And of course, they're in business for selling comics, but he he's known as the master of that last page. Okay, this first issue of this of this series, issue number one, pretty much what we get in this first issue is an introduction to the main characters that are going to be at least in these first ten that we're going to that we're going to learn. So what I thought we would do here, just real quick, uh, 
I'll give a character. I'll shout out a name that person if they can give their best description of the character. Okay. Um, so Laura, you're our guest here. I'm going to let you go first. Give us your best description of York. Oh, wow. York's a guy that has been put in a very, very tough situation. His mom works for the government, so he his initial goal is to, once he realizes that all the women are dead, he's got to go find his mom, and at the same time, he's also got to try to find his girlfriend, too, which happens to be in Australia at that point in time. But he's kind of just this dopey guy that doesn't really have a steady job. He's an escape artist, so it's the opening of the book is him uh, talking to his girlfriend on the phone, trying to escape a straitjacket. And <laughs> while he's doing that, he's actually having poop thrown at him by said monkey, which is a really funny opening scene considering the entire story. Um, but I think that just kind of tells us a little bit about his character. Like, he's, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't have everything under control. And he knows that. And I think that's to his benefit throughout the whole story. Yeah, brash and young. I mean, he's definitely a young kid. And, you know, you can see that in this first issue. That He's not like your experienced uh, uh, mobster or anything like, you know, the, the guy that's going around and, and has all the skills, social skills and all the all, everything figured out. This is a young kid. He's got a good bit of his life ahead of him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and, and it's it's definitely a, a I, wanna, I don't want to say a flawed character because he's not, it's not flawed. It's just that he's a, a real character. That's that's probably the best way I would put it. Sure, Josh, you apparently like the monkey, so why don't you go ahead and give us an idea about ampersand? <laughs> awesome. This is perfect. Uh, I mean, so he, he's also a male. I mean, which is probably the most important fact about him, given the fact that all other males on the planet are, are, are dead after this plague or magical occurrence or whatever it ultimately ends up being. <laughs> Basically, through the first couple issues, you find out that Yorick takes on this uh, this monkey to be a helper monkey, who I'm sure at the time he probably just thought it was going to be part of his uh, magic and escape act, and uh, he's going to train him to do that. And he, as, as we learn throughout the course of the book and the story, you realize that there was no way, even if any of this had happened, that he would ever have trained Ampersand to do anything uh, well on any level but um <laughs> that that's that's kind of the the unique thing here is you know as you go through the whole story he he, he half-assedly attempts some sort of various levels of relationships with these females but ampersand is always there i think that's it's a pretty pretty it, it, it's obvious kind of the the comical side of things um, but uh, it, it's also a pretty helpful plot developer at a few points throughout the overall story, too. Four words for ampersand. That is pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's about the easiest way and the shortest way I can I can really, just from what I've read so far, that monkey's a pain in the ass. All right there. Ronnie, I'm going to ask you, in this first issue, can, can you give us an idea of York's sister, uh, Hero? Um, yeah. Older sister um, seems to have it together more than York, which shouldn't be too hard considering York. She is um, an EMT and in a relationship, apparently, with a uh, with a firefighter. She's kind of a stronger character, but uh, it, that's pretty much it in the, the first issue. But she seems to be almost the polar opposite of Yorick. Very good. I'll take on these next two real quick. Uh, York's mom, uh, just like Laura had mentioned, a congresswoman, I believe, uh, in Washington. Uh, I think her you know, it was Congresswoman Congresswoman Brown. So we got another strong kind of female character. You know, made her way up through the government, and she, you know, she currently is 
doing her job in Washington. And then it was also mentioned York's girlfriend, uh, Beth, who we, this is really, I think, the only issue that we see Beth here in these first 10 issues. What What is occurring in this first issue between York and Beth is a phone call. At the end, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end, this, York is trying to propose to her, correct? He technically proposes to her, but he doesn't get an answer. Later in the in the series, he says, my fiancé, well, sort of. And I'm like, okay, well, something, yeah, something didn't happen there. But Beth is down in Australia. You know, York is somewhat obviously committed to her, but again, showing his brashness, his youngness, uh, his youngness, I, I hope that's the word. Um, he, uh, he's proposing to her via the phone. So there, there's Beth for you. You really don't get a whole lot of, I don't feel you get a whole lot of depth from her in this first issue. I mean, even through quite a good chunk of the book, I mean, I haven't finished the entire storyline, but Beth is, is for all intents and purposes, just a, a plot device. You know, he, he's basically, she's basically a motivator for Yorick, and there's really not a whole lot of impact beyond that that she has for the, God, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 issues that I've read. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll just go back around here, and I'm going to start with Ronnie. Ronnie, Agent 355. Oh, gosh. Um, she ends up being Yorick's bodyguard. Um, she is some sort of super spy <laughs> who works for a um, a government agency that dates back to the American Revolution. And you find that out, you know, later. And it's, uh, I think it's called, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, uh, correct me, but the Culper Ring. Um, mm-hmm. And she gets paired with him against her wishes, pretty much just thrown into the middle of, of York's story uh, against her will. Josh, can you give us an idea who Dr. Mann is? Yeah, so this this first story arc in particular, we kind of get introduced to her really at the very tail end. So you know, like like we pointed out, you kind of got very basic character development, not a whole lot of background on some of these these characters. So we 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 very briefly get introduced to Doctor Man, not really understanding her importance later on, where she's she's giving birth to a baby right before the plague. This big event happens. She kind of throws it out there that it's actually she's giving birth to her clone. So a whole lot of a whole lot of questions and weirdness going on there, which isn't really uh, expanded upon at that moment in time. And then um, near the end of this first story arc in particular, we end up finding out that she's just this incredible biologist who has done a good amount of landmark uh, research with regards to cloning in particular. So. She meets up with 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 Yorick and Ampersand and the agent, and that that's kind of your the 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 very tail end of the first story arc. If this initial group gets gets put together, a brief appearance of in this first issue of a lady by the name of Colonel Say Elion or Elon uh, from Israel. And I know it's just a brief appearance. Another again, it's a strong role. Laura, do you have any insight on this uh, badass lady from Israel? Um, I think it kind of turns the whole story on its edge. Um, she's kind of a really, really good long-term um, antagonist. At this point, you're really only focusing on the story and how it's affecting the immediate characters. And bringing that character in really makes you think about what's going on in the rest of the world while, the, while all of this is happening. She's really mysterious and really badass. <laughs> yeah, right there at the beginning, I mean, you're just sitting there. Like I said, this first issue is... 
it's pretty much a back, giving you kind of like a, a backstory or at least a little bit of a hint to who these people are. I shouldn't say backstory, but it's it's more of a hint to, to the, the situation these, that these people were in. Now, of course, the last thing that, you know, we can all kind of touch base on here is the plague. And this first issue is pretty much everything running up. Well, you know, first pages are showing you some shit's going down with this plague where all the men are dying. That's pretty much where our story starts is once this plague hits, it wipes out all the men. Now, we're not talking just men in general uh, of the human species. We're talking males of every species. You know, you see a lot of uh, shots or I should say panels of, of people across the world where you know, this one kid is holding, this one little girl is holding a dog and, and obviously dead because it's a male. All the male cows have dropped over. All the male species is gone. But hey, what do you know? There's one guy left and one monkey left on the world, and that's Yorick and Ampersand. And that's pretty much where the first issue ends. Issues two and three, pretty much we pick up where there's plague's been going on for close to, I think it's been, a, it's like a couple months after this. Plague's wiped everybody out. So women are now trying to figure out how to deal with no men being around. York is trying to make his way to Washington, D.C. He ends up getting to Washington, is able to find his mom. Great reunion between him and his mom, and all of a sudden there is, there's shots fired, and there's, York says, you know, it's a terrorist. She goes, no, it's worse, it's Republican. Um, <laughs> so, gotta get the little political jab in there. It's hard as a, a reader to really put your mindset, especially as a male, into the fact that there are no men left watching women act this way it's, it's kind of it's it just kind of jarring because it, it obviously these are republican women that are coming there and they're upset about something and they're shooting up you know they're, they're shooting up uh, the white house i think it's because of the seats in the house or in the seats in the senate some kind of political reason obviously but you just don't i'm not ex- i'm not expecting that <laughs> it made sense though after um after a while because something as big as this happens there's going to be a breakdown of government According to this, there were mostly men uh, in the seats, and you know, you know, Congress and everything. Uh, his mom actually says they're wives, all wives of congressmen, and um, so they don't want them to. They they think it's a coup of the government, so they want their their piece of the pie too. They want to get in control. So it was it was one of those things that uh, it was a little it was a little odd seeing a bunch of women with rifles and and pistols. <laughs> But uh, it's you got to think. I mean, would this really happen? I mean, you, the government breaks down. The world is. Uh, everybody thinks the world's coming to an end, so they have to re- regain some sort of control. So everybody in that point thinks that they're right. So they've got to. They they think they have to do what they have to do to 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 have some sort of form of government. Now, Laura, I want to ask you. Which side are you on here? Are you in the White House or wherever you're at there, hanging out in there with, with the order, or are you out there with the chaos and the Republican? Oh, no, I'm definitely hiding inside. <laughs> <laughs> in, in these couple issues here, uh, there's a point where Agent 355 secures the Secretary of Agriculture, who is the next in line for to be the President of the United States. In the midst of this standoff, Republicans and the people in the uh, in the White House here, the, the people in, in government, Agent 355 rolls up with the now new president of the United States and basically gets everybody to stand down. Um, there is a little bit of stuff that kind of goes bad in there. Um, but regardless, the president of the United States is now here. We finally got some order. Well, sure enough, Congressman Congresswoman Brown says, hey, here's my son. Um, you know, what are we going to do? That's where the president comes up. 
with mentions doc. I think she mentions Doctor Man, bioengineer. Can't remember what she was again. But you know, we got to get York and we got to get this Doctor Man together so we can figure out how to uh, well, basically go from here. We've got to figure out what we're going to do. And granted, York's still in love. York wants to find Beth, but his mom and the president have other ideas. Now, we're talking about the lady from Israel. Um, she's getting information from somebody, letting them know that, hey, there is still one man left on Earth. But they tell what his name is. So they obviously have information in regards to who it is. I'm sure it's some kind of defector in the government. I don't know yet. Ronnie, anything else you want to add to that? I just want to point out how many people had to die for the Secretary of Agriculture to become the President of the United States. <laughs> a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Josh, you got anything to add, man? No, I just think that, it, you know, for, for the first really issue and a half, it kind of frames you in this mind of, like, into the world, right? Into the world around this one guy and a couple of, couple of supporting folks at this point. But uh, I, I think the, the point you make about the, uh, the the colonel in Israel that, that that's kind of the, the really the one outlier. I mean everything else is kind of its own controlled chaos along a what seems to be so far kind of a straight storyline. But that that's the piece where you're not really sure what's going on at all because. All the other loose pieces have kind of been tied up and straightened out. York finds his mom. The the president establishes her new role and controls some order. And uh, you're starting to feel pretty comfortable about the direction that everything needs to go. And then you've got somebody in D.C. calling this lady in Israel and... That, that, to me, that's where you kind of get, even at the end of issue two, you're like, I really want to read issue three because surely they're going to tell me what's going on with the Israelis, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I think another interesting fact is to take into account when this was published. These books were coming out in mid-2002, which was right after, you know, we've gone through September 11th and, like, the Israelis and all of the quote-unquote ground people were kind of on our mind as potential hostile targets. So to have this kind of throw, I think it kind of throws in a more like a current event kind of feel to yeah. the book itself. That, that's a, that's probably a pretty good point. I mean, you know, the Israelis are, are pretty much perpetual allies of the United States, but just to throw that—that's probably that's probably as close as Vaughn could get to some lightly related Middle Eastern thing without this being like you cannot publish this right now. You know. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the fact that this was published probably just a few months after 9-11. Mm-hmm. You got, yeah, there's touchy-feely stuff going on for sure in, in regards to international relations for sure. I mean, that's, that's something to definitely keep in perspective here. Okay, so the next couple issues, issue four and five, uh, pretty much the journey starts with York and Agent 355 on their way. Agent 355 is assigned, just like uh, Ronnie had said, as, as the bodyguard. Uh, and she's... Yeah, she's quite uh, she's quite adept at taking care of herself and other people. One thing I sent to you guys, there's a point where they're walking and they they hear singing. It's like, what's going on? York's asking, what the you know what the heck is going on? And it turns out there's a lot of women that have gathered around the Washington Monument and are singing, I, I guess, lamenting or they're obviously in mourning over what happened with all the men. And I just find it funny that they make sure to point out that it's. <laughs> It's the Washington Monument. <laughs> right, uh, it, it, yeah, it's definitely going to stick out. So he goes over there, and he, you know, there's a little bit of a run-in he has with uh, our new antagonist, the Amazon. We're I introduced to the Amazons in, in uh, I think, issue three. 
Laura, can you give us an idea of the insanity that are the Amazons? Cool. The Amazons, yeah, you kind of nailed it. The Amazons are crazy women um, <laughs> because I guess if there's anything that can drive women crazy, it's just being trapped with a bunch of other women <laughs> for an extended amount of time. Um, these women have actually taken it to a whole new level in which they have massacred their bodies and chopped off one of their breasts to you know, symbolize their belonging to that troop. And um, they're hunting for York, and they're hunting for him good. I mean, the, the whole the whole Amazon thing. I mean, in, in my opinion, this is the first time where you feel like a sense of anarchy in this story, because the whole previous points is you know there, there's there's some awkwardness here and there's confrontation, but but people respect people the, the rule of law. Amazon. Yeah, but but they, I mean, the Amazons are some Mad Max type shit in this story. I mean, they're they're <laughs> they come across as just a motorcycle gang running around and basically just incorporating their will onto others. Yorick's first encounter, again, a young, brash Yorick who decides to confront the Amazons. And, of course, he's been in seclusion, and he even promises 355 he wants to go check this out. He wants to see what's going on over here at the Washington Monument, you know, to find out what's going on with the singing. And the Amazons show up, and, and he even promises 355 he's not going to take his mask off. And as soon as they show up, he runs over there, confronts him, and takes his mask off. <laughs> Dude, you need to learn to keep your your. Um, he's impulsive. Um, that's what I'm trying to say. That's the best way to go about it. But it's you. You see that right here. He's and he's right up front. He confronts these uh, these crazy ladies uh, and proceeds to get his ass whipped. That is, of course, until 355 shows up, and saves them, and they're able to steal some bikes. We do find out that when they steal the bikes in, in 355, kind of laid out uh, the Amazons, obviously one of them is still kind of conscious and goes and tells the leader of the Amazons, okay, hey, look, there's a guy still out there. And the lead of the leader of the Amazons, a lady by the name of Victoria, and she's requesting, okay, we need to find this last man. And their intent is to kill him. I mean, they, they believe that men were wiped off the face of the earth, and it was a good thing. Um, so now that there's one last man left, that's a that's something that shouldn't be. That was a mistake, uh, and they're going to go and try and fix it. So Victoria asks for someone to volunteer, and Ronnie, can you give us can you give us the the surprise of who volunteers to go find York? His sister Hero. That's right. Hero is has became an Amazon during these two months after play. Um, obviously, they don't know it's York. She has no idea it's York. She just volunteers, and you're like, oh, crap. And that, I think, is where the end of issue four occurs. Now, they finally, in the next issue, they finally find Dr. Man. We get a bit of what I like to call the clone saga, where she <laughs> tells us about how, you know, she went into the whole cloning business and, on herself, I think it was in order to save her brother. She had to, she produced a clone and was going to give birth to a clone. And she kind of blames herself for what's happened. She believes she may be responsible for the plague because apparently this clone, after she gave birth, its last breath, it, it killed the rest, you know, it, along with the rest of the males of the planet died. <laughs> Another thing that I find funny is when they find Dr. Man, she's in this laboratory. York walks in, you know, he's, he's like, hey, I'm the last guy. And she, She's like, oh, look at those canines. And she runs over, and she's, like, checking out the monkey first thing. Um, and I thought it was pretty funny that she was more interested in the ampersand than she actually was with, with York. And at the end of that, at the end of that, we find that, Laura, can you give me an idea how to pronounce this 
the lady from Israel's name? Um, I just referred to her mentally as Alter. Alter. All right. And we're going to call her that from the rest of the freaking podcast. Alter's on the trail of Yorick here. When Ampersand's pain in the ass takes off out the window, man and Yorick and uh, 355 are going after Ampersand. Alter shows up with a couple of her kinsmen or her soldier buddies, and they torch the place. So all this, all this research, all this stuff that they were going to be able to try and make use of to try and help maybe repopulate the Earth, Earth with uh, with York is now up in flames. Uh, when they get back to the when they get back to the building, they see that the place is on fire, uh, and they believe that there is a there is a contingency site. She has everything backed up. Unfortunately, it's in California, so that's all the way on the other side of the United States. <laughs> So that's the end. That's kind of where we're left at at the end of uh, issue five. You guys are talking about the first storyline, second storyline. Where did the, did the first storyline end here? Yep. Yep. That's okay. the end of the first uh, first story arc. Okay. Like kind of like we started out. I mean, a lot of it is really just establishing the primary characters that are going to take you through at least the the, the next few major story arcs, as well as a lot of pieces that are, are continuous. Throughout the overall story, obviously your main characters uh, feel like the the Amazons are are relevant more up front in the overall story of Why the Last Man, but but they kind of linger. They have some relevance here and there. But yeah, I I think that going back and reading this uh, earlier today, uh, it really stood out to me like just how like young and dumb York was. You know, like as you go on, he's still not he's still not a genius, but he kind of gets a little bit grounded and he he makes a lot less often such incredibly poor decisions. I mean, there's a series of really (laughs) stupid decisions he has in his first story. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, picking up with issue six and seven here, uh, York 355 and Dr. Man have got to figure out how to get to California. They figure out that the best mode of transportation, which I think Josh can attest to this, the best mode of transportation is to hop on a train and go cross country. Yeah, I'm just we'll, uh, we'll ignore we'll ignore the fact that every train that was running at the time was almost certainly manned by 95 percent men and derailed the second all of them died. <laughs> and the fact that all the rail infrastructure in the United States is probably much more worse off than the roads. But yes, uh, it is a wonderful method of transportation in the Armageddon, the post Armageddon world. I knew. I, you even saved me the breath of actually asking you for your opinion on this, because I was seriously going to ask you, so that is exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> the, the logistics of it is out the window, but that's all right. They are hopping on a train, and they're going to get across, They're going to get cross-country. We also get a lot of good backstory during this train ride, just as anybody who hops on a train, they got nothing else to do, they're going to talk. We learn about uh, the backstory of Dr. Man and 355 in here. A, a, a fair amount of it, anyway. There's still a good bit of intrigue, especially around this whole amulet of Helene. Now, that is something that 355 carries with her. And you see that, and I think that was something that occurred in the first issue. You see her get that amulet. It, it still has me intrigued. Now, I don't think we get much of an answer in this second story arc. It's just that York asks her about it. It's basically a necklace, I think. And she pretty much says it's classified. So I want to ask Josh here, is this something that I'm going to find out here later on down the road? And I'm going to be like, ah, oh, that's what the that's what the amulet of Helene is. is. That is that what's going to happen? You know, as I've read through the later story arcs, it definitely comes up. Okay. Um, I don't. 
I don't want to kind of point out one of the things from the it, – it, it was a lot of fun reading the first story arc earlier today is that, like I said, there's, there's two kind of maybe three things I think that kind of came up in that first story arc that having read further on and then reading back again, you see is kind of hinted at okay. either All having right. caused it or being pretty pivotal pivotal to the, the plague or what, what have you. So, so while on this train, the FTRA show up, which do we ever get an explanation as to what that is, FTRA? I think they're just another, like, kind of anarchic group. Yeah, because they're, they're obviously, it's just a couple chicks claiming themselves to be part of the FTRA, which <clears throat> they, they were around before the Amazons, which is uh, another crazy group of women. They show up on the train. They're saying, hey, you got to pay the toll. And York is... Goes right after one of them and promptly gets flipped off of the train. At this point, I think they're somewhere in Ohio. They've been on the train for quite a while. But uh, during this scuffle, he gets ejected off of the train. Uh, 355 and Dr. Mann are trying to hold their own against him. But then they realize, hey, we got to get York. Uh, so they jump off of the train, I, I believe willingly, in order to, you know, try and go back. This was after a while, though. They were probably about a mile or so down the track. All three of them are now, front, they're all off the train and they're actually stranded in a field in Ohio. And at the end of issue six, York is kind of laying there. Uh, a unidentified woman comes upon his body and uh, she, I think she thanks the Lord at that point in time and then that's where the issue ends. <laughs> We've got kind of a new person kind of coming into the fold here. York's getting picked up. And we find out that this lady is, she's a young woman by the name of Sonia who kind of nurses her nurses York to health. I don't know how banged up he was, but he was obviously knocked out. He wakes up. He's pantsless. Actually, I think he's completely naked. <laughs> really, a real big kind of a Back to the Future vibe here with me for some reason, but uh, yeah. um, <laughs> he wakes up, you know, and Sonya's just kind of sitting there. But they, it, it's funny because he gets all dressed up, and they kind of sit there and talk a little bit. He he starts, I wouldn't say sparks stop, start flying, but they, they make a connection. Sonia and York make some type of connection. Oh, they connect over David Bowie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's over music. York's going to get up, and he's heading out of there. Now, by the way, 355, Agent 355 and, and Dr. Mann are kind of collecting themselves together, other than the fact that, well, the only person that's actually able to get up and walk around is Dr. Mann. 355 about brained herself on a freaking rock, and it's <laughs> kind of out. <laughs> She's out of commission right now. But York is York's like, hey, I've got to, you know, I've got to go find these people. And as he's getting ready to leave, he opens up the door, and Sonya's like, I'm sorry, but the rest of the town already knows you're here. And there's, I don't know how many women, you like 20, 30, she says it's 60 some women in this town. No, I already know that York is here in this town. The last man on earth is in this town. Doctor Man is able to make her way to the town. She finds York and says, 355s out cold, laying in the middle of this field. We need to get her out. So they go and they get her, bring her back. One of the crazy things you see here in this storyline is, and York notices as soon as he walks out of the, as soon as he walks out of the house, he sees that they actually have electricity. So this town of women are actually doing very well for themselves. If you're a Walking Dead fan, I got a very Woodbury feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost kind of too good to be true. Your town has electricity, and I kind of got that shady feeling that something kind of shady going on there. And also in these couple issues, there is we 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 get a glimpse back at Hero and Victoria. Victoria again is the leader of the Amazons. Hero is we understand is going to go after York. 
I get an impression here that there is a relationship. There is a there's a relationship, but I don't. I think it's just that Hero is, I guess, completely snapped and is looking for something, uh, looking for leadership, looking for a place to belong in a in a in the end of the world. And um, she she found solace and she found acceptance in this uh, group of crazy women <laughs> that are they're mutilating themselves and uh, and uh, saying that uh, the end of uh, all men is a good thing um she's just really misguided traumatized by the whole thing i mean she she held her boyfriend in her arms as you know as he died from the this plague and uh, you know as you know blood was coming out of his ears eyes nose and mouth so i, I see it more of a of a of somebody I see it more of a taking advantage of somebody uh, in their their kind of their weak mental state, um, more of a cult leader than anything else. Okay, I can dig that. That's you know I, I couldn't tell if there was like, and there's at some point I think Victoria kind of slides her some chocolate or rations or something something like that, and I it was kind of like she was doing her a favor. I didn't know if there was something more behind that, but again I totally see what you're saying there because heroes definitely got that lost kind of mm-hmm. lost you know you know person who's going to a sheep how's that a, a sheep who's going yeah. to follow the leader she's making a complete transformation she's gone into a brutal character she's all in in this group and uh, i think that victoria can see that and just sliding her the the extra power bars was a form of manipulation to say hey you know i'm the only one that really cares about you so why don't you just do what I say? You know, I'm, I know best for you. Uh, like, like I said, you can see a complete transformation as she's hunting down, um, as she's hunting York down. She has no mercy uh, on some people. I mean, she shoots an arrow through somebody's hand and, and just pulls a gun on him. And this was somebody that was in the in the uh, the business of saving lives, and now she has no problem taking them uh, or threatening people. Uh, so she's all in on this, and um, she has completely brainwashed. I mean, shoot, these, all these women have, like I said, mutilated themselves uh, just to follow this one woman and, and her beliefs. Some good points, man. Yeah, and these issues, uh, Hero begins to get more of an idea of who they're tracking. The last man on earth is starting, she's starting to realize is actually her freaking brother. I think the nail in the coffin was when she found uh, the, those two members of the FTRA who uh, monkey flipped York's ass out the train. They <laughs> they pretty much said, you know, hey, yeah, with a man, and they find out she connects the dots, and she realizes now it's, that it's York. So that's the end of issue six and seven. Laura, I want to ask you here real quick. Do you agree that with Ronna here in this case, where it definitely seems like she's a a, a brainwashed type of character, and that she is she's not really doing this of her own will? Oh, definitely. Um, not to spoil future issues, but you do find out later on in the story that uh, even though she seems like she's the more level-headed one of her and York, she's definitely a little off center herself. Um, and I think that it would be easy for her and someone like that in a situation like this to fall in and kind of fall in with somebody like Victoria and be so easily manipulated. Josh, you're the last man on earth, sir. All right. You got your, you got your monkey buddy there. All right. We don't want to deprive you of your monkey. Your monkey's there with you. How are you going? How are you handling it, man? Are you going to, are you going to kind of go off the deep end or are you, are you handling it like York or are you going to, uh, are you going to flip out a little bit like Hero? I, I tell you what I'd do. I'd, I'd probably keep the uh, the cape and the gas mask on for like all 100 issues. Like that, <laughs> that would not come off. 
Like I would, uh, I wouldn't completely freak out, but um, I mean, especially after seeing the Amazons, how they how they treat females, let alone men, all these different groups, the the pockets of chaos. I, I mean, I'm not letting anybody know that I'm a male. You're you're going to go into the mountains. That you're just going to go up there and and live off the land and and die a peaceful man, correct? Uh, maybe. He'd probably maybe. rob a comic book store first and then head up into the yeah. mountains. <laughs> <laughs> the last comic shop. There you go. There you go. Barricade, barricade it up. Barcade, barricade, whatever. That's the end of issue six and seven. We're going to get in. I'm just going to cover these next three issues pretty quickly, um, and, and we'll finish the second story arc. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a discussion. So, Hero, once she finds out that York is the last man, she she doesn't keep that a secret. She immediately goes over to Victoria and says, hey, this last guy we're looking for is my brother. Victoria's immediately, you know, okay, well, we've got to go kill him. Hero's like, ah, I don't know about all that. But then Victoria goes on to into a very disturbing speech, which... Yeah, it's a pretty creepy speech. <laughs> okay, just, I guess, the only thing I can say is it's really kind of showing, again, Victoria's manipulation over hero here. Yeah, that's definitely what it is because she's basically, she's just calling up memories from her childhood and twisting them and kind of helping a hero form the thoughts that Victoria wants her to have. Very good. Um, so, of course, at the end of that speech, York has to die. So, and it's not like Victoria gives her a pass either. It's not like, hey, it's your brother. Why don't you just go ahead and stay back on the sideline? No, you're still leading the party and go find your brother and go kill him. We, we find out 350, Agent 355, she's being nursed back to health. She's going to be okay. She's, she's recovering. She's in, in the bed. The townspeople, the, the townswomen are, are helping take care of her. Now, Sonia, our, our nice lady who found York laying in, in the field, Sonia and York are kind of off on their own at one point during these this issue eight, I think. And they go off to go chop some wood. And the sparks begin to fly again between York and Sonya. But uh, we find out a little something that's kind of disturbing because before it can get too hot and heavy, Sonya kind of backs down and, and York also cools down. Level heads prevail. How's that? They begin to talk. Sonya discloses that the whole town, this is Mar- I think it's Maristown, Ohio. Um, the whole town is nothing but a, uh, a town of convicted women um, who have escaped prison and but are living peacefully amongst each other in this town. Of, and obviously, they're doing quite well for themselves. Like we said, with, they've got electricity. They've definitely a paradise compared to what you've seen in the books so far across the rest of the nation. Now, she begs, she begs York to keep it a secret. And as a matter of fact, I think a lot of it's because one of the women before they went out said, hey, don't let him know what's going on. And so York, being the, the nice guy that he is, decides that he's just going to run into the house and start calling everybody a convict. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> it's, it's obviously feels that they should should have remained in jail. But in the midst of all this, in walks his sister Hero, and she has her bow drawn, and she's got it pointed right at York. So the Amazons have clearly caught up with York now. And Victoria makes a plea outside of the house to all the convicts inside. Says, hey, look, give them, you know, give them over. We won't do anything to you guys. We just want the mail. The townspeople pretty much decline. Uh, York, though, says, no, look, I'm going out to confront these Amazons. Uh, the townspeople, no, don't do it. And he decides to go anyway. Uh, well, much to Hero's dismay because... She says, uh, you know, Hero, I think initially they tell Hero that she, he's not going to go out there. And Hero's like, 
Victoria is not going to be pleased. And, of course, that's what makes York realize, okay, it'd be best if I just go out there and face it instead of the rest of these townspeople, these good townspeople that I just called convicts, have to suffer my, uh, the wrath that's upon me. So he goes out there. Uh, we have a little bit of a verbal tirade between uh, York and Victoria. York is on the ground. He's on his knees. Uh, Hero puts him there. His own sister puts him on his knees in front of uh, his potential executioner, Victoria, who has a gun to his head. And just as she is about to pull the trigger, we see, I can't, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's like a thunk, something like that. You yep. hear a click and then a thunk or something. The next panel is pretty much Victoria with a freaking axe in her head. Now, <laughs> yeah, right inside of her face. <laughs> let's stop right here. Is this at the end of a page where that happens? Um, I, can't, I can't remember if that's at the end of a page or if that is in the middle of a page when that happens. Yeah, that is in it's the middle of in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So the next panel, you know, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, oh crap! I thought Hero finally came to her senses and took Victoria out. But what we find out, it wasn't Hero at all. Uh, it was Sonya. Now there was a mention about how they didn't have any any guns in this place. They didn't have any weapons. But the axe she went to cut wood with, she still had, and she threw that into Victoria's face and saved Yorick's life. The only problem is that Hero immediately draws her bow and arrow and shoots Sonya right through the heart. I'm just waiting for an all-out war right here between the townswomen and the Amazons. I thought that's what was going to happen. Um, now, York immediately goes over to Sonya, and she dies in his arms. Now, York asks for the gun and walks up to his sister. And at the end of, I think this is the end of issue nine, he basically has the gun pointed at his sister's face. And she begs. York, please shoot me. Please do it. Um, again, it, it supports the fact that Hero is a broken character. She is somebody that she's just all over the place. She's, you know, she's loyal to Victoria, and of course, she just watched Victoria die right in front of her. She's got to kill her own brother. Now her own brother has a gun to her face, and, and she's just so confused. She wants to end it. Um, Josh, you got anything to add here in regards to Hero again? Not in regards to Hero, but I will say that if I ever have to be murdered, I hope my last act is to chuck an axe 20 feet away and hit somebody <laughs> in the face with it. Because if you still think about the logistics of that, that is an incredible feat. <laughs> that, is, that is true. And, well, and what was funny, if I remember right, I think she like it even shows like in the next panel, she's like amazed that she actually did it. Um, that's yeah. what she says like I did it or something. <laughs> so she, she's probably aware that she just got lucky, like really lucky. See, 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 if that were me, I would have been like, I want to save everything right now, and I would shut the axe, and like just the dull end would hit her, and she'd be like, ow, and she'd shoot me in the face. <laughs> Sonya's dead. Either way, we'll look at it. Oh man, yeah. that's hilarious. But but back 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 to the uh, the uh, intent here. I mean, yeah, the hero. I mean, this is this is a pretty interesting piece here. You kind of go back and forth where it's almost like hero knows she's doing wrong. You know, I mean, so so York's got the gun pointed right at her face to do it please, through, through tears in her eyes. But, you know, it, it, it almost reinforces the fact that she was just, just doing the whole thing with Victoria just to survive, just to have some sort of structure to the whole world at the time. Yeah. To me, the overarching arc between these two stories was Hero and York. To me, this felt like the, the climax of these two stories. 
because I, I, I latched on to the whole Hero York thing right there at that beginning for a story arc, and that's kind of why I was going to the next next issue every time. I go, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen between York and Hero? Is, is Hero going to find out about York? And blah, blah, you know, what's going to happen next? So this, to me, was the culmination of, of uh, what I've been looking for out of these, out of these uh, nine, nine issues so far. Um, I just want to add that probably one of my favorite scenes is in this issue. It's kind of uh, York and Sonya's Han and Leia moment where he apologizes for kissing her twice. And she goes, but we only kissed once. And then they kiss again. <laughs> yeah, you know, you see this romance bud between Sonya and York. You can tell he's got his, you know, his reservations, obviously, because he does mention that he has a fiance. But obviously, she's on the other side of the world. And things have clearly changed since their last uh, phone conversation. You're kind of wondering, is is Sonya going to be a lasting character? Is that something that's, you know, this, this is something or a recurring character? Clearly, in, in the span of three issues, we find out that she's definitely not going to be a recurring character. <laughs> she gets two or three good issues. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. that, that arrow sticking out of her chest kind of took care of that. Yes, that's <laughs> the, um, And, you know, for it to be York's sister that does this to York, I mean, he, again, makes him uh, just adds to the tragedy of the character. One thing that um, in issue eight we kind of, I think we skipped over was... Uh, um, in her bit of a daze, in her kind of almost comatose state when she's waking up, uh, 355 uh, kind of leans over and whispers to Dr. Mann. Um, she's apologizing for things she's done in Egypt and Panama and Jordan. And then she starts saying, I want you. I don't understand it, but I want you. And Dr. Mann's like, uh, well, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure what to say. I mean, you're, you're, you're obviously a pretty, you know, cause she says, I want you, Yorick. And then she's kind of like Yorick. So there's there's a little bit of a, a, a something boiling there. And for some reason, we find out that 355 is apparently attracted to Yorick. Either that, and it's either that or a fever dream or something. But um, so that was kind of interesting. It kind of opens up uh, a whole other world there that made me go, well, I want to see where that's going too. Okay. Now let me tell you, I had a fever. Oh, it was back in nine. It was, it was before me and my wife uh, got married. We'd actually signed the lease on our apartment, and uh, we we had signed the lease on our apartment. Was getting married like a couple months later. But anyway, during the fever, this is the first I, I can clearly remember having this first time I've ever spoke and uh, spoke almost kind of hallucinated um, and was speaking just complete nonsense um, because of a fever. I was talking about how when I signed the lease for the apartment, we had actually signed our souls over to the devil. Now, if she is actually, um, I, I, that's, that obviously was not the truth. So I don't know, it, this whole fever dream and actually talking the truth, obviously that's what's happened in this issue. But have you guys, I'll just, I want to ask, I'll ask you, Ronnie, have you ever had a fever and started talking like the absolute truth or started talking crap that, oh crap, maybe I shouldn't have said? I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, we'll move on to issue number 10 here. And of course, we're left with the cliffhanger issue nine. You know, he's got a gun pointed at his, you know, at his sister's face. So, master of the last page, we want to see issue 10. Is he going to pull the trigger or is he not? Before we get to that, let me just ask, uh, you know, I'll ask I'll ask around the table here. Ronnie, would you pull the trigger or would you not? Man, that, that is... That's your sister. I, I, I just, I couldn't do it, you know. Uh, I, I would not, even though, you know, she, <laughs> even though Hero just murdered somebody in cold blood, uh, well, maybe not cold blood because she just saw her 
her uh, cult leader get an axe shoved in her face. But, uh, <laughs> it, you know, he just – somebody that, you know, sparks are, are flying with him and there could be a future for him or he doesn't know what's happening. He's obviously attracted to her, and she's murdered right in front of him. And uh, But it's still his sister. There's still that bond. There's still family. Thinking about it, I just – I wouldn't be able to do it myself. Absolutely not. Okay, Laura, you're in your you're in your shoes. Are you pulling the trick? <laughs> I think in that situation, um, if I just watch um, someone take an axe to the head and then get shot in the chest with an arrow, um, endorphins would probably take over at that point, and I would probably pull the trigger on accident. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be one well, hell of a thing to try and live with. Oh, I did mean to shoot my sister in the face. <laughs> well, Laura just starts capping everybody. <laughs> All right, Josh, yeah, what, what do you think? Just shooting. Just shooting. <laughs> this is who I am now. This is who I am. Yeah, you and some dogs roaming the forest. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, Josh, you I mean, want a trigger? I, no. I mean, like, it's, as you read this story as an outsider, you're like, yeah, just there's clearly the, the connection that you don't, you know, the, the years and years that you don't have before you pick up the book that, were between York and his sister. And you're not, I don't know, I, I think it makes sense that he's not able to do it. I also think it's pretty cool that as, they're, as he, 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 they have this kind of showdown, they still kind of have your, your very typical brother versus sister bullshit meaningless argument, you know? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. They, it, it's, yeah, obviously we get into that next issue. And just like just like you guys said, you're, you're going to, he, he doesn't pull the trigger because he knows he's going to regret um, but yeah, as he's got the gun pointed to her face, he says something and she like gives him shit about it. And I don't understand, I don't understand what the uh, logic here is, but I, last thing I'm doing is when somebody's got a, I'm not going to agitate the guy that's got a gun pointed at my face. But, uh, of course, just like you said, this is brother sister we're talking about here. So that's Brian K. Vaughn's way of making you realize we still have a brother and a sister in front of us. And he brings you right back to it, just like that. Yeah. Um, great writing, great writing. There is a bit of a debate on what to do with the Amazons, because the Amazons, although they did not, uh, like, again, I thought it was going to be all out war. As soon as Victoria took the axe, they didn't, it's not, they didn't make a move. The only real person that was still, you know, kind of running their mouth was Hero. And you don't see much of the Amazons, but there's a bit of a debate on what to do with the Amazons. And what they decide to do is that they're going to lock them up in the prison that all these escaped convicts got out of. We again shoot back to Alter, and we, we see that the Israelis are still getting information from some mysterious source about York. And they're, they're also getting closer and are uh, continuing to be on the, on the tail of York in, in, uh, in these issues as, as we wind down. And with issue 10 is pretty much a cleanup issue. Uh, we get our resolution to kind of like the main con uh, the main climax at the beginning of the issue, and then it kind of winds down. Um, pretty much with York getting a haircut from 355. <laughs> so that that kind that kind of happens as they they kind of talk about what the next steps are going to be. But there's been a little 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 bit of an underlying plot. It only kind of happened in in parts of the issues. Now I know this is going to be something that shows up later, uh, just because I've seen some of the covers. But in one of the issues, there's mention, there's a Russian lady who is talking about some astronauts. I think she was talking to Victoria, the, the cult leader, and she just kind of gets dismissed. And she's like, no, they're up, you know, they, they're, they're there. There's, there's, there's astronauts, there's, there's uh, Russian astronauts. 
Well, at the end of this issue, uh, right, I think it's the last page, we are suddenly shot straight up into space. Yeah, every man has died on Earth, but Yorick, we find out, is, is not the last man, I guess, in the universe, as there are, was there two up in some type of a space station? Is it two men? Mm-hmm, two of so There's two, two men left. They're astronauts, and they've been, uh, they've been orbiting the Earth. That's kind of where we're left. At the end of issue 10, we find out that there are more men that are out there. The Amazon story kind of comes to a close, although we definitely get that open-ended thing where uh, where Hero ends up throwing up like a, a, a skeleton key of some sorts that she had. This is a uh, illusion or a magician skill she had learned from her brother. So while in jail, she now has a key. So we're, we're expecting Hero to get out at some point. Uh, York and uh, the rest of the team are, are still on their journey to California. There was a point where they kind of entertained the idea of staying there in Maristown, but they're like, no, that, that ain't going to happen. As soon as people find out that the, the, last, the last man is here in Maristown, it's not going to be a safe place anymore. So they immediately decide, okay, yes, we've got we've to head. we got to head west, young man. That's the, the first two story arcs of why the last man. So I'm going to go ahead and we'll do the round table thing again here. And I'll, I'll start with, I'll start with Ronnie here. When I was reading it, I was ready to move on and keep on reading it. Cause um, both story arcs blew me away. You definitely see some character. You see a lot of amazing character progression as far as Yorick is, Yorick is concerned from kind of this doulas, uh, dopey as Laura put a character into uh, somebody He's a romantic character because, you know, he's still got his, his fiance on his mind and wanting to find her. Uh, he's always kind of trying to look for the best in the, you know, in the situation that he's in. Uh, he's become a lot more brave um, and a little more sensible, I guess, in how he acts and, and, and looking out for uh, 355 and Dr. Mann, knowing that ripping his, his gas mask off at any moment just to – just to stand up some, to some people could get them all killed. He's gone through some, I mean, other than the major crap that he's already gone through of, of every other man on the earth dying except for him and his monkey. And, seeing, you know, he's gone through some crap as far as seeing his girl murdered or this girl murdered and his almost killing his own sister and seeing that his sister's mental health has broken down uh, to where she's part of a, for lack of a better term, a part of a cult. Just a fantastic, fantastic bit of storytelling that uh, that I, I fell in love with and couldn't wait to you know keep on going. Yeah, I, I, I'll echo the, the the same points that Ronnie made, and even going back through this second story arc, you know, as as uh, as York decides not to to kill Hero, and just kind of looking at it going back through, I don't remember some of this, but she she points out, she says. Um, she says, and I know things even Victoria didn't know. I know about the Sacred Cave and the Dandelion League and the Backwards Eight. So I don't, like I said, I haven't fin- I haven't finished the whole series. But uh, <laughs> if I'm if I'm Brian K. Vaughn, and uh, it's it's pretty clear he's, he's a really good writer. He's a really good. Uh, he, he's clearly laid out a few story arcs worth of synopsis. I'm laying hints here and there. There's there's three things right there that he could at least use to build on later. Uh, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's just crazy randomness. But um, I mean, the, the overall story. It, you know, Ronnie's pointed on all the high points. I think. I think the primary thing to take away from all of the the, the ten issues that monkey's gonna get into craziness. <laughs> <laughs> what, what more do you really want in a story? <laughs> I Man, it's just That's me. True. It's just guy. Just- 
called the damn thing ampersand. He, he had to have had a spinoff. <laughs> I would read spinoff. Oh, I yeah, I would too. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed there hasn't been a spinoff of ampersand. Oh, man. They should call it monkey trouble. <laughs> monkey trouble. No? Yeah? <laughs> Anybody? Okay. Oh, Negative. that's a winner, man. <laughs> <laughs> On the front, right on the front, it would have a quote. Okay, most most comic book says, well, I think the first one or the second one of these comic books says, I can't. I, this thing has is made for a movie or something like that. This would be ampersand. You know, it'll have a little quoted as quoted by Josh Calandros. Needs more poop and farts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can throw that on any book, and it'll probably be valid from my point of view. To be fair, <laughs> actually, if, if I if I wrote the ampersand. <laughs> it would have, it would have, like quotes from like three like solid sources, you know, like uh, some comedian, you, you know, and uh, like Time Magazine or or uh, Newsweek or Comic News or whatever, and each one would all be some point of this is terrible. Please don't read this. This monkey does nothing in every issue. Yeah, so why is this happening? Who keeps saying this man? <laughs> yes, indeed. That, I think that would sell too. I think that's I think that's the best kind of advertising you can get. To be honest, I mean, don't read this shit. Yeah. Everybody's gonna be picking it up. Man, the first ten issues of this book, I don't think I'd ever... This was the first real comic that I got into, and I read through the first five issues in about 25 minutes, and I needed more. And I don't think I was ever more excited to pick up individual issues of a book or just a book in general than I was to read this. Because you honestly, there there was so much story development. There's so many characters. You really don't know what's coming next. And it doesn't seem completely over the top, which, alluding to our short conversation about Lost earlier, is what really broke my heart about that show, is that there were just so many things that were just completely unreasonable, that everything that happens in the book, and I think every decision that York makes and the people around him make, are real people decisions. And it was it's just so cool. You, you said this is the first comic you ever got into. Are you very frequent reader of comics right now, or or is it just something that you do kind of on the side every once in a while? I probably pick up three or four books every eight to ten months. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not an avid reader, but I built up a solid collection. Yeah, she she gets into um, a lot of uh, the more indie books. She's she's never really been. I don't into, like superheroes. Yeah, she's never been into the superhero books, which is really kind of my my bread and butter. So we it, it's actually been kind of cool though because she she'll find Wild Last Man or Pride of Baghdad or. or any number of other things, and she'll be like, "You should check this out. This is pretty cool." And I, I mean, I'm I'm a comic book nerd, like this prototypical. I like superheroes, so if it if it's not got weirdness with regards to a superhero aspect, it's not got that immediate draw to me because that's just the connection I have with with comic books. But uh, it, it's been a kind of a cool dynamic that we have that way. Yeah. I think the jury's still out about the whole you liking superhero comics when you always talk about Squirrel Girl and the Great Lakes Avengers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Superhero is quite a strong word. So many, so many Avengers comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, West Coast Avengers. Why? Why do you insist? <laughs> Uh, we always first get, we, or last time, not the first or last time that sentence has ever been uttered. <laughs> well, 
Laura, what are you reading right now? Just uh, this would be the last question to bother you with. Um, the most recent thing that I've read is actually Saga, another Brian okay. K. Vaughn book. And Saga, I mean, it's more incredible characters, more completely just out of the blue storyline, and just, it's a page turner. It's what I like about him. And something else that um, that she didn't mention earlier is that she's actually pretty much a pretty big Brian K. Vaughn fan, which she didn't even actually realize until earlier today. She loved Runaways. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Runaways was another love. <laughs> Very cool. Which actually is a superhero book, so yeah. Yeah, but- <laughs> take that. There's a dinosaur in Runaway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, that's good stuff. Well, um, I, I, I don't have anything else to add on these 10. Uh, I mean, again, I want to thank you guys for actually, you know, suggesting the book to me. Number one, I don't read a whole lot of, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a real big independent. Of course, really, I don't know if you can call this an independent cause this is a DC vertigo title, but granted it's outside the mainstream DC stuff that we're looking at in its own universe. You know, you don't, you don't have, you don't see a bunch of superheroes showing up in, in why, at least in these first 10 issues. Anyway. I don't know what's about to come up. I don't know if Superman's all of a sudden going to appear there in issue 35 or something, but uh, I doubt that. But anyway, yeah, a very good book. People out there that are listening to this podcast, if you get a chance, grab the book, take a list, uh, take take a look at it. Uh, start with issue one. Uh, they do a good job. The, this first ever book that I've ever seen them go, hey, new story arc on the front, which I'm sure they put that on there so that anybody who felt comfortable with grabbing that issue, it was a good jumping on point during that series. Very good. I start with issue one, and, you know, I'm clearly going to read this all the way through. We're definitely going to cover the next, probably the next couple story arcs at some point in the future. Thank you very much for joining us. Do not forget to subscribe to our new home by punching in W2M Network on just about any podcast platform to get all of our content into your audio feed. Also, give a like to the Rattlich in Broadcasting Network and W2Mnet.com Facebook page in order to stay on top of everything that we have to offer. If you'd like to follow the Source Material podcast on social media, just follow at SourceMatCast on Twitter, and we are on Facebook at Source Material Comics Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to share. We look forward to entertaining you again soon.